This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here today with a special report. I say special because it's really one of those timely reports that uh, frankly won't be as valuable to you. Hopefully not, at least a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, we're Pretty much most everything else I spit out is timeless, uh, with all due humility. Okay, that might not be true. But today, we're talking about the Rona, COVID-19, and how it's jacking with your business and your life. Now, obviously, there's some serious stuff going on with the coronavirus, but there's also some horrible public policy. And I think this recent eviction moratorium, as declared by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which by the way, has no real authority over evictions and really doesn't have anything to do with real estate, period. Uh, but anyway, the CDC, they are temporarily, in their world, halting all evictions. And this is in response to President Trump's executive order on fighting the spread of COVID-19. So ostensibly, the CDC is saying, hey, if, if you evict somebody, they're going to have to go move elsewhere and either be homeless by other people or move in with their parents or back in their grandma's basement or wherever they came from before. And it's going to cause more coronavirus and we're all going to die. So we're going to take over, take over your business, take over your livelihood. Uh, my conspiracy theory, and, and I am full of conspiracy theories if you haven't figured it out yet. My conspiracy theory is, well, twofold. One, President Trump wants to win re-election. Okay, I don't blame him for that. And overall, I think President Trump is by far the best president we could have had in the last election or this election for purposes of real estate landlords. He's very pro-business in general, very pro-real estate investor, uh, good for the tax code, etc. This one, I think he was just reaching to try to get some, some sympathy votes and to not look like a harsh old rich landlord that he essentially is. But I think that was the first thing. He wanted to just win votes. Um, the second item, I think, is this government in general, because this has been going on for the last six, last six months at local government level, too. The government realizes that their revenues are going to be down. Income taxes are going to be down. Property taxes are going to be down. Sales taxes are going to be way down. So are they going to cut services and tighten their belt like the rest of us? No, of course not. They're going to raise taxes. Or in this case, they're not going to raise taxes. They're going to provide services by pushing the social welfare net onto landlords. Basically, if if we landlords evicted you know, 1, 10, 100,000 people, where are those people going to go? They're going to go to government for you know unemployment, for housing vouchers, for food stamps, or they're going to be homeless, they're going to cause more crime, all these sort of you know, fears of local government, some of which may be well-founded, have basically got them to say, well, we'll just stick it to these rich, rich landlords, let them suck it up, which in the short run might work, but really not that short. Um, it's going to, there's, there's very few people that can just stomach month after month after month of no revenue and still covering the expenses. So I think this is bad public policy, but today I'm going to break down a little bit of what you can do to try to minimize its pain. Now I'll put a disclaimer out there. One, I'm not your lawyer. This is not legal advice. There I said it. Two, there's massive penalties if you get this wrong, which 
are kind of unbelievable. Uh, criminal penalties, if you're an individual, $100,000 per violation if it results in no death. Okay, that's that's good, no death, but hundred k, uh, two hundred fifty thousand. If it does result in death, if you're an organization, and frankly, if you own a mobile home park, you better be some sort of organization, an LLC or limited partnership or limited liability partnership or something, not your personal name. Well, then guess what? The price of poker doubles, and now it's two hundred thousand dollars per event or five hundred thousand dollars per event if it results in death. So, don't mess this up. So. But what can you do? Well, what you can first you can do is you can realize and, and read the law or read the summary. I've got a summary letter on my website, mobilehomelawyer.com. You can have it for free. Again, I'm not your lawyer though. Take it, copy and paste. Uh, that's what I did, right? I didn't I didn't draft this. Some some real lawyer did it. The government, and I'm just copy and pasting what's in there, and then I'm putting a little color commentary to it to try to mitigate the damages as a business owner. So the first thing to realize is this does not apply to everybody. So you have to determine. If your renters are eligible, so my my draft letter says tells them the facts. I'm giving them, I'm being transparent. I'm telling them that they may have rights. I want them to be able to utilize their rights. They may be harmed. I don't want to stick it to people that are not that are harmed, but I don't want to give away my money to somebody who's just taking advantage of the system and doesn't has not been harmed. So if my, you know, if I see one of my residents and they're coming home from work and they got on a you know Applebee's T-shirt. And they just came from work. Like, wait a second. Why are you claiming you're out of work? You're not out of work. You just came from work. Okay. That's one of the criteria you'll you're hear in a minute that they, you know, really have to, you know, satisfy in order to be eligible. Yeah. So here we go. The first one. The individual has used best efforts to obtain all available government assistance for rent or housing. So to me, that means if you've not applied for housing assistance, Section 8, unemployment resources, and you're likely ineligible for eviction relief. Okay, number two. The individual is unable to pay the full rent or make a full housing payment due to substantial loss of household income, loss of compensable hours of work or wages, a layoff, or extraordinary out-of-pocket medical expenses. Okay, keyword, unable, and due to, okay, so if you're able to pay and you don't want to pay, then you're going to be ineligible for eviction relief. If you have not lost wages or hours or income due to COVID, then you will likely be ineligible for eviction relief. So I'm just letting my tenants know their rights, but then also it doesn't do, do me or them any good to deceive them or for them to misunderstand what their rights are and then they get stung later. Because I will often tell my tenants, if you don't pay the rent, I have the right to evict you. And per law, I can garnish your wage, maybe your tax return, it's going to go on your credit report. This is going to be bad for you. So if you can pay and don't, you're kind of making a foolish decision. I'm trying to lead them to the light here. Number three, the individual is using best efforts to make timely partial payments that are as close to the full payment as the individual's circumstances may permit, taking into account other non-discretionary expenses. Okay, the non-discretionary expenses and all that, like, how do I know what they have? I mean, could I say, yeah, I see you have a satellite dish. Clearly, you should be paying rent if you can pay for cable or Netflix or satellite or whatever. Um, yeah, that's not probably not an argument I want to take to court. And I don't really know what they can afford, but I can tell them in this letter, like, look, if your rent is a thousand and you can afford to pay one dollar, then you have to pay one dollar. If you can afford to pay nine nine nine, then you're required to pay nine nine nine, or you will likely be ineligible for eviction relief. A judge is likely to require proof of any hardship. Uh, landlords might even subpoena bank records or paycheck stubs as part of the eviction process. 
So the burden appears to be on the tenant at some point. And ultimately, I should have said this beginning, but this whole eviction moratorium, lawyers across the country are to some degree guessing because there's no real case law yet. Nobody really knows. And different states, different tenant rights organizations are interpreting this differently. I mean, for example, are we required to give the tenants the form, the affidavit that they're supposed to fill out saying, Dear Jesus and landlord, I swear I promise that I'm eligible for relief. Okay, what if they're lying? There's no real penalty for them. If I get stuck doing something wrong, I get hit with a $200,000 per occurrence penalty. Yikes. So I read this. I read this portions of the statute. I didn't read the whole thing, I'll be honest. I read lots of summaries. I followed it. But I read portions of the statute and really for this provision. Who has the onus? Do I have to give them this affidavit and like point them and lead them to the water? Or do they have to come up with it? And the way I read it is it's on them to fill out the affidavit. I'm giving them information, letting them know their rights. So there's some some CYA, you know, some cover for me. But really, it's it's on them to do it, I think. And am I right or wrong? I guess we'll see. Um, a practical challenge I'm having right now is some of the judges are not even holding hearings, period. Even though the eviction is supposedly, you know, only for non-payment of rent. I mean, somebody's breaking all kinds of rules, I could evict them. Um I don't know. You know. Time will tell. Okay, the next item is the eviction would likely render the individual homeless or force the individual to move into and live in close quarters in a new congregate or shared living setting because the individual has no other available housing options. Okay, really I can't ever figure out what the other, I don't know their family situation. I don't know where they're going to go. It's like hard to fact check, right? So I can just tell them, like, look, please review the preceding sentence carefully before relying on the possibility of eviction relief. Ultimately, though, I do think this is going to all land in the tenant's favor. But this is designed, I don't want to say it's a bluff, but it's kind of a bluff to just convince the tenant, look, you have rights. And don't try to take advantage of them if you're lying. But some people are going to do it. Obviously, there's always people taking advantage of the system. And some of those people are going to be saved from eviction, even as they're sitting there working and piling up money and just not paying their bills. I read a story yesterday of a guy who he had a medical procedure uh, halfway across the country. He was going to be gone for a few months. So he rented out his multi-million dollar condo on the beach. Well, the person that was like, it was almost like Airbnb, like a very short-term renter who was like, you know, not a high credit risk. This person decided, oh, this is kind of nice. I'll just live here for free for the next six months. Because this eviction order, this moratorium, by the way, is it's currently going through 12-31-2020. So just the end of the year. Will it be extended? I don't know. I mean, probably, right? I mean, how many other things keep getting extended? And the state levels have been doing this. I mean, all this is doing is kicking the can down the road. Now, for mobile home park tenants, or mobile home park landlords, we're in better shape, right? Because if, if somebody owns the home and they don't pay us, for two, three, six months. Well, at the end of six months, you know, the pain is coming and we're going to take your house, right? We're going to, you know, make you move your house. So you might as well pay. It's your moral obligation. It's your legal obligation. You might as well pay. Now, if it's a parkland home, you, now you're pretty much in an apartment world. And if they don't pay, they don't pay, they don't pay. Well, guess what? In the six months, they're going to jump in the middle of the night. They're going to leave you with crap behind and no money and it's going to suck. So, you know, not really a lot you could do about that, in my opinion. It's just try to get them to pay and convince them to pay for any way you can try to get them on a payment plan document 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 that's kind of the general thing because the key here to remind them is this order does not relieve any individual of an obligation to pay rent this is not this is not rent cancellation or rent abatement this is not the free rent you see on the 
you know, sheets hanging outside of New York City building windows. Okay, this is just, you can't evict. So I can still charge and collect late fees, penalties, interest. I can still later pursue garnishment, etc. I can still evict you for health and safety reasons. You know, if you're, get some crazy pit bull running around, that could be dangerous safety of others. I can evict you. You've got excessive filth or, you know, you're cooking meth or something, I can still evict you. Again, the challenge is going to be getting a judge to step up and hold court and be the, the mean, heartless judge that's going to do that. But there's probably one out there. If you find one, maybe tell your friends. Um, you know, again, this this letter, this process I'm sending out to people, it's, it's designed to make them aware of the rights, but also to clarify their ongoing obligations to pay rent. And I really I think it's a disservice to the tenant to deceive them otherwise. So kind of in conclusion, I mean, we don't know how this is all going to end, but it's important to really work with your tenants, try to get them on a payment plan, try to get them to follow the normal lease rules, and uh, make sure they fill out that affidavit if you're going to you know, call off the dogs on them. But ultimately, if you want to proceed with eviction, you can try to proceed with eviction. Just be aware that it's possibly not going to go anywhere for a while. And you got to be real specific as to why you're evicting somebody. If it's just non-payment of rent, you better make sure that they are not harmed or that they're not eligible. So there you go. Special report, COVID-19. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.